Good morning. Our passage for today is from Luke 2. Luke 2, you can find it on page 1591. We'll be reading from 8 to 20. Starting at uh, verse 8. The shepherds and the angels. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thus far. Our text is verse 15, which says, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are thinking, I'd always thought to have a a service series, an Advent series on the Christmas carols. And because the the Christmas carols, as, as you saw even in the video, you can stand right up in the mall and start singing them. And, and yeah, you could see some people were indifferent, but a lot of people were engaged and thought too, what is this? And are appreciative, and, and there's just a connection there between the story of Christmas and the actual singing of Christmas carols. So this year, in, in relation to Christmas, if you would ask people, if you would talk to people generally, do they know the Christmas story from the Bible? You would get less positive response than if you asked people, do you know the Christmas carols? Do you know the story of Christmas from the carols? And they say, yes. We know the carols. We love the carols. And so as, as we think about that, I was struck on... Uh, Thursday night after the dinner, we had the dinner here, and then quickly we got everybody out to the parade because Thursday night was the parade, and as the floats were going around, they were playing Christmas carols on the floats all through Lacombe. And then when we went, and Mayor Steve Christie was going to light the tree, and he said they'd had some trouble in years past getting the electrical right, and so he said we needed to sing some Christmas carols in order to have the right 
Christmas spirit. And so we were singing Christmas carols in the park right here. And the lights went on. Perfect. But it's fine. Christmas carols are fine to sing. And even here for the dinner, Daniel wanted to sing Silent Night. And so Daniel sang Silent Night and everybody joined in. Because it's a Christmas carol. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Beautiful way that we can share the gospel. The Bible talks about songs, hymns, and spiritual songs in Colossians 3. The carols are a spiritual song, a festive song, a joyful, celebrative, even dance-like kind of tune. It comes, the, the whole idea of carols comes from the French, the carol was a circle dance. And people sang and danced. And it has a history all the way back to the 1100s, where simply in France and in Europe, people would come together and they would sing and they would dance. And these carols were written for uh, that particular uh, type of gathering. And, and people were encouraged. For us as Christians, thinking about the carols, and thinking about our mission, the mission that God gives us to go out into the world with the good news, carols are missional. Carols are ways of engaging an unbelieving culture with the gospel. And so in the mall, carols are played. In the store, on the radio, on TV, in the Christmas movies, carols, always carols, sung over and over without any apology for biblical references. No excuses for using the name of Jesus. It's all fine. It's all good. It's all okay. This is a beautiful way of, of bringing the gospel to our culture. And even to ask people too, what is your favorite carol? And we can talk about what a carol actually says. And, and just just to receive this Christmas season, the, the thought too of, of God working in this world, in people's hearts and lives, even through things like Christmas carols. That's what we want to look at this morning. We're going to look over the Advent season at four of the most popular carols, and then just to have an understanding in ourselves of what the carols mean and what we can also share with those around us. So the first carol is while shepherds watch their flocks by night. I just want to mention, first of all, two things about the carol. First of all, in our hymn book, in the gray hymn book, we have actually a section of carols, and that's in the 300s. So if, if people wanted to find a Christmas carol in our gray hymn book, they would look in that section of the hymn book, but they would not find while shepherds watch their flocks by night there. It is placed in the different section of the hymn book, a section called Bible songs. And I want to point that out to you because sometimes we think too, oh, carols, whatever, they don't really tell the Bible story. They don't really get the Bible right. And there is definitely some things in some carols, and we'll look at that later on, 
that you say, well, yeah, that's maybe not quite the way we understand it. But the main point, and the point of this carol especially, and that all carols are very, very much biblically engaged. And this particular carol, while shepherds watch their flock by night, is almost word-for-word Bible. So what the people sang in the mall, and what Ina read here, is exactly the same. So they were reading the Bible in that song in the mall, and everybody heard the Bible, word-for-word, in that carol. That's a beautiful thing. So we understand the carols to be biblically based and a good way to engage our non-church neighbors about things of the Bible. And so, so you can ask people too, what is your favorite Christmas carol? And, and they'll say something like, oh, oh, when grandma got run over by a reindeer, that's my favorite carol. And we can say, yeah, that's a good one. But then we would add, my favorite carol is while shepherds watch their flocks by night. And I'll tell you why. And then you can share much more significant insight into the Christmas season. So, so carols are, are just beautiful, biblically ways of engaging our culture in our time, and we need to recognize that and be ready to use that and work with that to bring that joy of Christmas to those around us. The second thing I want to point out is that the carol was a favorite from the very start, and just just to give you a bit of the background, if, if you look at actually on the page, it was written by Nahum Tate, Nahum, like the prophet Nahum, in 1700. Immediately after it was written, and in the succeeding years, even up to today, it has been included in almost every single Christian hymnal that's been written. It's recognized everywhere. Now, who was this Nahum Tate, gentlemen? We don't know anything about him. Nahum Tate, for 10 years, was the poet laureate of England. He was the finest writer in all of England. He was the poet laureate. And he served in the court of the king. He was the top, top, top writer of verse, of songs. And he wrote this song. So this is an amazing writer who wrote an amazing song. So we need to recognize that. We need to see that these aren't just, oh, whatever, somebody just scratched something down and, and who knows what. No, this, this was a beautiful work of faith, of writing. And then the music is by uh, Winchester Old, by George Kirby, from around 1600. And the reason it was used, because, yeah, who was he? he? He was, in that time, the most famous songwriter. And I would equate it in your mind, like we just had the death of Leonard Cohen, right? Leonard Cohen died. Everybody, oh, Leonard Cohen died. 
I, I know the music of Leonard Cohen, you do. It's, it's wonderful music. George Kirby was the Leonard Cohen of the day times 10. He was the man who wrote the music. And the music was put to the words of the poet laureate of England. And this was the song that has been recognized and is beautifully put together in every way. And so this is not just a little ditty that somebody threw together. And we can even, I would say, recognize God's hand in it, using those who were gifted to bring his word in this way to the world and to appreciate the carols and what they bring and how significant they are. So that, first of all, in relation to this particular carol, written by Nahum Tate, the music of George Kirby, a wonderful way of engaging our culture with the faith. So what exactly would we say about this carol if we would share it with someone in terms of Christmas? Well, there is much there. I just want to share two things. First of all, the title, the first verse, While Shepherds Watched Their Flocks by Night. The biblical focus in this song is on the shepherd. And so the first thing that we can address is, okay, those shepherds, they, they were approached by God with this beautiful invitation. What, what do we know about those shepherds? The culture that we live in has romanticized the shepherds. The shepherds, in the minds of people generally hearing this call today, or this carol today, the, the, the people who would hear this carol, even the ones in the mall, they're, oh, oh, shepherds, oh, they were, they were such wonderful people, taking care of the little fuzzy sheep, nice out there, just beautiful, wonderful, kind, excellent, helpful people, these shepherds, they, they are romanticized as pastoral ideal of living and and everything is good and wonderful and great about these shepherds so no wonder God would come and invite them to see Jesus because they are just so amazing in every way they are good and kind and faithful and loving and oh these shepherds and that's kind of the the ideal that's been raised and and Jesus himself in John 10 calls himself the good shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. But the reality in Luke 2 is completely different. The shepherds are not good at all. And when Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd, he says that because shepherds are so bad. So when he talks about himself as a shepherd, he has to make it clear that he's a good shepherd because the other shepherds are awful. They're terrible people. They lie and steal and cheat. They don't care about things of faith. They don't go to the temple. They don't take part in the religious rituals. The general picture of shepherds is awful. You would not want shepherds in this church. They walked in the door, you would kick them out. 
They were dirty and lazy and lousy. So when it says in the, sh- in the song, while shepherds watch their flock by night, that a beautiful pastoral picture, you have to say, no, wait a minute. That's not the biblical picture. That's not what is actually going on here. The, the story in the Bible is that the shepherds were, in fact, the most unlikely group to be invited. They are the most unworthy and they are truly unwelcome. So that, in fact, in fact, if you want to really picture it, that, that even, even when Mary and Joseph saw the shepherds responding and coming into the manger, they, they would have gathered up loose items laying around them because they know that they, they would have been stolen. And they would have been careful with their money. And they would have wondered, what are these shepherds doing here? And, and even our, our lives at risk. I mean, these shepherds are, are, they are not good people. They could not uh, give any legal testimony. They, they were definitely the vagrants, the con men, the lowest of society. So that changes the carol too. If you understand that, if you recognize that. So then the the greatness of this invitation of angels in the sky speaking to these shepherds, not, not inviting high priests and Pharisees and the wealthy of the day and the people who felt they were pretty good. No. The angels come to these lowest of the low. And so the first thing, the first thing we need to recognize in terms of bringing the Christmas message, the gospel message, is that it goes out to those who are unworthy. And that includes us and even others. Others who I would say are, are even now not part of the church, not part of the faith. And if you really push them why, they would say, because I'm unworthy. That is a deep down feeling in people who, who don't know the Lord, who don't know his love, who aren't part of it. It's not, it's not that they don't care, really, though some don't care. It's not that they don't understand. It's just that really they know their own lives, they know themselves, they know their struggles, and they know for pretty sure that God's not interested in them. That's, that's what they know. And their unworthiness, not feeling welcome, not feeling that God is interested in them, is answered by this event in this carol. The angels come to the least and the lost and the last. The invitation comes to the shepherds with the clear acknowledgement that God loves them. And God invites them, them, can you believe it? Them, to meet the Savior. And in the same way, he is coming to people today. He is inviting people this Christmas to come and meet the Savior. People who feel outside of things of faith, people who feel out in the cold in terms of faith and life, 
And this Christmas carol is so encouraging. And I think that's maybe why it's so popular. After you've heard it and even come to understand it a little bit, that it strikes you, Jesus invites someone like me to come to him. Jesus invites those who feel unworthy. And that invitation keeps going out, even today. We have, we have opportunity to be part of that, and so last week, too, was mentioned, the little invitations we have. I, I hope you do take the opportunity to bring an invitation to someone that you might know that you actually go and say to them, and it might surprise them, that you would invite them to your church, and you're so good, and they're not. That's not the point at all. We all in our unworthiness are welcome with the Lord. And so that we would also be part of that invitation of the angels is, is one of the things that that we want to live out in response to, to thinking about these things this Christmas season, that, that they are welcome here and with the Lord. So the first point of the song, of the passage, is the wonderful wide invitation of the gospel. And that we would enter into that and be that welcoming, inviting kind of people. The second point is the response to the invitation. What are people supposed to do with this invitation? And then the carols making it so so grand, so amazing, which is what it is. Still, the responses vary. Some people doubt. And you'd think the shepherds could too. This can't be true. Uh, we better just forget about all of this. And, and today, too, there's still much doubt. People doubt. Is it really true, this whole Christmas thing, this God thing, this Jesus thing? I'm not sure. What's our response? Invite them anyway. Even if they have doubts. They say, I have doubts. I'm not coming. He says, fine. It's fine if you have doubts. You can come. You're welcome here. People with doubts. Maybe they make excuses. We cannot go and leave the sheep. The shepherds could have said that. There's no time to check into these things. And I think today, too, people are so busy, busy, busy. There's no time for things of faith. They are rushing through the malls. They, they have no time for faith or church or God. Invite them anyway. Invite them anyway. If you could fit it in. You're welcome here. Invite those who make excuses. There's those who debate, is there a God? Is there really sin in the world or in me? Do I need a Savior? Many today continue to debate things of religion. If you bring up things of religion, they start to debate with you. They need questions answered. They want every concern worked out. To the best of your ability, try to answer their question. But in the end, you'll have to say, I say, I don't have all the answers. But I invite you to come anyway. Come anyway. Maybe by God's grace, he will give you 
the answers. This is the place to find answers. And then there are those who just reject the message outright. The Bible is not true and that, that they are just not interested. That happens too. If you invite people, say, hey, come join us. If you try to open a conversation about faith, they shut it down. You can still say, you're still welcome. Even though you reject this invitation now, even though you really don't want to talk to me about it, the thing you need to know, you are still welcome. You are still welcome here. With that kind of understanding of the invitation, God can do amazing things. Because what can happen beyond the doubts and the excuses and the debates and even the rejection, God can change people's hearts and they can believe. And it might not be right there when you're talking to them. It might be later on. And then, and then they come a little bit. They, they engage a little bit. And that's what happened here, really, in the words of Luke 2, verse 15. It's, it's transformative in the lives of the shepherds. The shepherds should have, could have, really, in, 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 in every way, said, forget about this. We are not welcome. But it says in verse 15, not let's go and see. Let's go and see if maybe there's something here. But it says in Luke 2 verse 15, let's go and see this thing that has happened. So there's already, there's already a believing. They believe this thing has happened. They haven't seen anything yet in terms of the baby, the child. Let's go and see the thing that has happened. And that transforming work is already at work. So as we bring the invitation, we can trust that God is already at work in the hearts and minds of people even before we approach them. And that he is ready to work in them in, in the most amazing ways. Sometimes people read the story of the angels coming to the shepherds and then the shepherds go to Mary and Joseph and, and they, they think too. The most amazing thing was those angels in the sky. And that was amazing. Mary and Joseph never saw the angels in the sky. They didn't. They didn't see the angels in the sky. They didn't hear the song. But you need to realize that it's the more amazing thing that they saw. It's more amazing than the angels in the sky when the shepherds came and Mo Mary and Joseph saw the shepherds truly responding in faith. That was amazing. That was the most amazing thing. The shepherds praising God. And it says too in verse 20, they were returned praising God and sharing the good news. And that, that's what Mary pondered. The transforming power of the gospel that can change people. You wouldn't expect it at all. But they were fully changed. And that's the saving work of Jesus that began already that very first night he was born. 
that very first night he was born, lives were transformed. Those you would never expect. And that's what he came to do. And he continues to do. This is the gospel, the word of God, and it's power unto salvation for all who believe, even the least and the last and the lost. So the question is, do we believe that? Do you actually believe that this gospel we are celebrating is transforming in the lives of others? Then you will go and invite because God is at work. And then we will recognize in the carols an opportunity to share the hope that we have. And then people will see the wonder of God's love because people have responded through the ages. Since the night those shepherds responded, many, many millions of people have responded to the gospel and have decided to follow the Christ. And that continues to be our prayer. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do believe. We do believe you are at work even as you, Lord Jesus, were already the night you were born, calling people to faith. And we thank you for inviting us as we sit here together this morning in the assurance of the faith that we can celebrate as we look to the Christmas season again and are reminded of all that you have done. We pray that you would help us to be instruments of your grace to others, that we would invite friends, family, neighbors, to come to know the hope, the love, the joy that we have. We would pray that you would work in their hearts and in and through us this Christmas season by your Spirit. Continue to guide us and lead us. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.